Hello, happy Monday, and welcome back to You Uplifted Beautiful Souls. You Uplifted is a place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into their true potential and power. My name is Safa. I am your host. I am an intuitive healer as well as a women's health and wellness life coach and I've got a special episode for you today because I have the beautiful and wonderful Jen Angela back in studio with me and I say in studio but really is via Zoom. (laughs) You know the drill. So she's joining me today to talk about boundary setting as healers and well why don't I just let you listen to the interview without further ado here is the lovely Jen Angela well hello Jen and welcome back to you uplifted how are you I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me back. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm actually glad we, we got a chance to do this for several reasons. Number one is I felt like our first conversation went so well that I just wanted to go deeper into that. And number two is I just enjoyed talking to you all together. So it's always nice. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jen, I wondered, so just a, a brief, 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 brief summary of who you are, just for those who haven't listened to your first episode on the show, kind of Tell us who you are, where you're calling from, and um, and what you do. Yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a yoga teacher as well. Uh, I'm also a holistic therapist and a business consultant, particularly for uh, like brand and marketing strategy for businesses, like well-being businesses, yoga businesses, therapists, coaches, that kind of thing. And then in terms of holistic therapy, uh, more mental health consulting and anything to do with combining mindfulness, movement, breath work, and psychology to help your overall well-being. So that's that. And then yoga teacher, well yoga teacher. (laughs) I also have a blog and a podcast like uh, like you have a podcast and um, otherwise that's uh, that's it. That's pretty much it. Yes, which is a phenomenal podcast if you guys haven't heard it. It's great. And yeah, that actually is a good opening for us today because I wanted us to be able to talk a little bit or speak to the role of the yoga teacher in terms of the responsibility and taking sort of accountability for what it is that we do as we sort of teach. Um, Me personally, where that is coming from, I think is the fact that I, a part of me worries a little bit that as yoga becomes a bit more mainstream and everyone is more aware of it, which is actually a phenomenal thing. Because even me, like when I started learning And then later when I started teaching yoga, honestly, like there was only one teacher training course in town where I could go and actually get trained to become a yoga teacher. Now there's like, there are a dime a dozen, right? And uh, so the idea that, that it's growing and it's reaching more and more people, I think it's fantastic, especially right now at a time where so much has been sort of brought up to the surface and so much has been uprooted and so much is shifting where there is a need for the presence of mind and the awareness. But I find also that there's this, hmm, there's there's two things that happen. Number one, and I wrote an article on Elephant Journal about this ages and ages ago, um, titled "The Idolatry." Uh, no, titled "Idolatry in Yoga." So, if you have a chance to check it out in their archives, go ahead and do so. It's actually pretty good. So, one of them is this prevalence for the imagery of yoga to remain solely physical based, and it also, also very much 
white female based. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm someone who can see that imagery everywhere and it still to this day remains the most prevalent part of that. And it becomes, you know, we've got these Insta famous yogis and all of this other stuff. So that's the first the first thing that I've noticed. The second is that a lot of, because of the availability of how we are getting taught right now, especially since a lot of it is going to have to be virtual, you know, that means a lot of the quality, deeper meaning of the yoga practice is getting lost and the concentration is remaining solely physical. So I guess my question to you, and let's just leave it as an open conversation between two yoga teachers, right? So listeners, this is an entirely unique episode that you're listening to because it's not the standard <laughs> format. But so what is it that in your opinion could help sort of be the balancing point between those two extremes? And how can we as yoga teachers be accountable for the fact that we carry a very particular responsibility as yoga teachers to impart the true teachings and go deeper than just uh, surface level. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It does. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. So yeah. in, a, in a good way, I love that. I love this topic. So the first thing to remember is that a yoga teacher, let's just speak generally, a yoga teacher is trained to help people with a lot of different things. We help people regulate their nervous systems. We help people learn how to breathe properly. We help people learn how to move mindfully. We help people uh, recover from physical injuries, possibly even some emotional discomfort, mental discomfort, right? Like we teach a variety of different things. And this depends on who walks through our room and how we teach what we teach and how that resonates with the person who walks into our room, so into our studio. So it's not like we for sure go into every class thinking that we're going to teach all these things, but one way or another, these things end up happening to our students. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the things, all of the things, things I've not mentioned, but pretty much like these are the things that we, that we aim to do. And these are the things we're trained to do. With that in mind, though, I think that some teachers just will put more attention elsewhere. So some people really do want to work only on the physical aspect of yoga and just help people get fit and help people uh, not, not just as if that that's not a, a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And that requires a lot of anatomy study, which is another thing people don't realize teachers, yoga teachers have. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to focus on physical and helping people get to a certain point in their lives physically, and you want to help people um, maybe recover from injuries and that kind of thing, yoga teachers can do that. Then we're getting into also other fields, like possibly yoga therapy as well, or yoga teachers who are also physical therapists and so on. Um, so that's a thing. Then you have other yoga teachers who want to focus more on philosophy in their classrooms. Mm, and then you have the yoga teacher, I think, who is very holistic in the way that they offer their yoga. And to me personally, that is the best way to do it because I don't believe that there's one element of yoga without the other. I think mm -hmm. that you have to have them all to make it be truly yoga. I don't know. To me, if, if I'm focusing only on the physical aspect, I'm not doing yoga. However, if I'm focusing on the physical aspect and it's teaching me something about my life and in turn I'm using my life to help myself in the physical moment, then that, that becomes yoga. Does that make sense? So if oh, yeah. handstands teach me about patience and life and I'm actually using this to learn about life and I'm, I'm focused and mindful of that in my practice of handstands, for example, then to me, that's yoga. But if I'm just like trying to do something to get fit and I'm just hustling and I'm just, you know, I really love this. That's not yoga to me. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm like, 
I played football, uh, soccer for a really, really long time. Was that yoga to me? No. Like, you know, as in, was it possibly meditative? Probably. Mm-hmm. Did, was it really good? Was I focused? And, and was I, you know, did I really know how to get my head in the game and psych myself for games and things like that? Sure. Like, you know, I guess there's an element of mindfulness there, which is another way of packaging uh, some yogic principles now, right? Like we're calling it mindfulness techniques and mindfulness this and mindfulness that. So sure, that exists everywhere, I believe. But yoga, uh, I think, is is um, a much more complex thing than that. And that's why teachers are taught so many things. And that's why there are also so many different directions in which to take your yoga practice and to teach your, to take your yoga teaching mm-hmm. and your business and whatever. So I think that's really important. Mm. It's hard to say as well, because obviously everybody can do yoga. We're taught that as well. You can yeah. sit and do yoga. You can close your eyes and do yoga. You can be eating and do yoga. So there, it's so tricky. Um, I believe, though, that there's that element that makes something yoga, and it's the, the perfect union of all of the considerations of the human experience, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, I don't know if you wanted to get into like standardizing of yoga anymore or the fact that it's becoming very mainstream and how we can assess quality. A little bit. I think the reason why, so to give everyone a little bit of a background on what's going on, I wanted to have Jen come back on the show because she's fantastic, right? And I wanted to talk about specifically boundaries again. However, I I sat down last night to think about questions that we would talk about and things, topics and all of this other stuff. And for some reason, what I kept coming to or what kept coming through for me in terms of like just an intuitive download was the need for some conversation about, like I said, accountability in terms of how we are showing up for each other, especially when we are in positions of some, some, some authority or another. Does that make sense? So I think what ended up happening, yeah, I think what ended up happening was it called to me because I'm very glad to be able to right now have the online yoga studio for people to practice with me virtually because of everything that's been going on this year. And because honestly, like sometimes I'll just leave out of town for vacation or something and my students always complain. So that's another way that they can kind of teach. (laughs) But But also because I have noticed over like the last couple of years, an increase in focus of almost, and I want to make sure that I'm saying this from the place of love where it's coming from. I don't want it to sound judgmental because that's not, I'm not trying to be judgmental or or cutting at Mm -hmm. all. I just think I've been feeling a little bit like in the yoga community, there's been a tendency for disconnect in terms of what the teacher's role is in terms of, yes, we are there to guide someone through asana. And a lot of us do talk about philosophy and breath, but a lot of the time, what I'm finding is the breath is hardly ever spoken about. Mm-hmm. The idea of laying hands on someone, finally, it's something that I think is starting to change in terms of adjustments that are mindful versus forceful and mm-hmm. hurtful. And also the, the not taking for granted that we are teaching at a time where people are very vulnerable and to not put our own sort of spin or our own sort of uh, weight onto them. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my okay, God. Good. I, I was worried a little bit that today's show was going to be a little spacey and moony because I feel like since this past full moon, I've been very like <laughs> out there. So. Same, same. Like, and I'll start one thought and I'm like, Ooh, off I go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so no, no, no. But I just wanted to say, yeah. So I wanted to say 
what I said before about the whole yoga practice thing. And again, that's, it's, this is personal. Like everyone has their own idea of what yoga is and that's, that's the beauty of yoga. And that's why there are going to be students for everyone because every teacher is different. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to be clear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just personally think that yoga is the, is the, is uh, like a harmonious unison of all the aspects of the human experience. That's how I phrase it. But to someone else, it's something else. So that's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone likes different things. The one I think, one thing I wanted to say about the physical and then transition to the second thing you said, the problem in my opinion with yoga and the physical aspect of it is that we don't really understand why the physical has been so important in yoga. What we've done actually is kind of compartmentalize the different aspects of yoga and then focus on the physical because that's all we saw when we saw yoga come to the West. Mm-hmm. And then at an attempt to re-yogify a physical practice, we then said, oh, but don't compare yourself to others. Oh, but inclusivity. Oh, but be patient with yourself. It's like, yeah, but we've also forgotten why there's even a physical component to yoga. Mm-hmm. And we start to re-yogify something that we completely segregated in the first place when it came to the West. So I just wanted to make that point because the physical came from long, 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 long time ago to get the yayas out of the boys that were doing yoga. They would make them do a bunch of sun salutations. Mm-hmm. And also yoga was for moving the body in such a way that they could sit in meditation for hours yep. on end. Yep. So people mm-hmm. forget that fact. And then they forget that yoga, the movement came out of the need for a spiritual journey and for mm-hmm. comfort in spiritual exploration and emotional and mental discomfort so that you can reach a path toward peace. And so yeah. one of the ways they did that was to say, okay, how can we move our bodies to release this? So making that connection is number one. Well, and I think, sorry to interrupt you, keep the thought that you were going to use. No, 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 yeah. Awesome with it, but but also I think it's important for us to know whether this it may not have been perceived as such by the yogis of old, you know, who did this. Mm-hmm. But and you and I have spoken about this a little bit is through moving into the body with awareness and with cognizance and connectivity. What we do then is as we embody these postures, we then can take that into ourselves, alchemize it, and transition it into our day to day lives. It's like you said, mm-hmm. if I, if patience comes to me in the form of a hand stand then that's might be the only place where I find it I honestly honestly like I didn't come face to face with how afraid I was of everything in my life until I started practicing headstand so there is whether there whether it was on purpose or not there is that connection of as you move through these spaces in awareness in breath in presence and all of this you get deeper you move the, you know, the cobwebs out of the way, you do all of the work. And then out of that, something spectacular happens that you can transition, not just onto your meditative cushion, but then off into the world as well. Yeah, that was actually going to be the next thing. And we talked about this last episode, sorry, the last time we spoke, but on the show, but um, that's exactly it. Is that this physical, like uh, the, 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 we have to understand the importance that movement actually has in yoga. We can't just be saying like, oh, movement is such a small part. It doesn't matter. It's like, you're not wrong, especially in Ashtanga. Like it definitely is one of the eight limbs. So you're right. It's just an eighth of the port of the picture. However, it is still one of the limbs. So we have to understand why it's one of the limbs. So yes, it's not everything as in don't fixate on the appearance of it and don't focus on everything that is asana. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. No. However, make sure that you honor it as one of the eight limbs and connect it to the other seven as part of an entire practice. And the only way you can do that is by un kind of unhumanizing it in a way like un, uh, well, like un, 
labeling it as this thing that we mm-hmm. need to be good at and more see it as this physical aspect of a spiritual practice you know mm-hmm. and it sounds like a silly thing to say but it's we don't actually do that we think we do we're like it's okay i don't have to be good at asana it's just an eighth of the limbs it's like hey 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 don't even think about it like that it's one of the eight limbs which means you can make it whatever you want as it connects to the other seven but it, you still honor it as your physical practice. So people, as when they're trying to not compare themselves or when they're trying to uh, make themselves feel better but not being where they want to be, they're just like, it's okay, it's okay, it's just an eighth. It's like, yeah, but it's, it's, your, it's an eighth of your entire practice. This is not to say that it should put you down. It's to say that it's all yours. You decide how it connects and how it lives. That's where your power lies. Not you in telling yourself it. that it's mm-hmm. okay that you're not where you want to be. There's no such thing. You're just where you are. And this is your practice. And so that's the teaching, I think. And we go wrong when we think, it's okay, it's okay. Don't feel like that. It's yoga. It's not gymnastics or ballet. It's, it's yoga. It's okay. It's like, it's so much more than that. Stop seeing it as another thing that is going to make you have uh, comparison syndrome and, and you know, be hard on yourself. It's anything you want it to be. And we talked about the cobweb thing last time. We talked about holding uh, tension in the hips or mm. anywhere, really. Mm. We talked about physical manifestation of stress and anxiety and sadness and grief. And that is another really, really important thing. You can't possibly heal holistically or heal fully, in my opinion, and not address every aspect of your existence. Again, going back to what I think it needs to be a holistic process. You can't possibly heal through all the things and not have some kind of physical manifestation. Either you'll go through the very like medical route and find that you're going to have some physical symptoms as a, as a consequence, or you're going to go seek medical help because you're already having physical manifestations of what you're not dealing with. Either way, the physical plays in, you know? And so we choose how you know, what that role is. So that's really important. And when we're, when we're, when we're showing up as yoga teachers, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's obviously you have your own techniques, you have your own teaching practice, you have your own philosophies and all of that stuff, but we need to understand the role that all of these things play. We're yoga teachers. We're not physical therapists. We're not, you know, like we, we chose to study something that is a holistic practice and we need to regard it as such. And we need to understand what that means. So even if we focus more on anatomy or even if we focus more on one thing, because that's what we prefer, we still have to understand the role it plays in this holistic art, science, whatever you want to call it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I think. And not putting yourself into it. Um, you had mentioned that. Can you just repeat what that statement was about not putting uh, our yeah. own not putting your own stuff on the students like that's I think where you just mentioned and it's so true how it is indeed like a holistic practice so that means you sometimes come onto your mat and regardless of whether you can touch your toes or not because I do believe some of us can't and that's fine it's just each person is uniquely built however you're present and you're there and you're doing the work and you're allowing yourself to move into it and do the poses the best that's going to work for your own body etc but what's happening is you're also by virtue of moving Moving the energy around and moving the emotion through the body by aid of the breath amongst amongst many other things in terms of the energetics and the prana, the life force, you are putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. So as teachers, I think often we may perhaps forget the fact that we don't hold all the answers. And also we need to be very mindful not to put our own stuff onto our students. 
Yeah. That's a really good point. I think for any healer of any kind, like therapists, psychologists, coaches, whatever, like the whole gamut, you know, uh, one thing is for sure. Like, you know, people always say, oh, because of what I went through, it made me want to help others. That's beautiful. Like, you know, that's a really common story. And I think it's yeah, a really very. good one, you know, and it's normal, but at the same time, be sure that you're not trying to heal yourself through others. Cause that's when projection happens yes. and then you're not actually able to help your, your students. Also in terms of like the physical aspect or the yoga aspect, Having an expectation of what a pose should look like doesn't mean that you know the best pose variation for that student. Uh, they may very well be doing exactly what they need to be doing. Mm -hmm. So it's understanding every student. So whilst you would not give the same advice to every patient or every client that you have on emotional or mental level, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be giving the same physical advice to every person in the yoga studio. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the, yeah. that's the same thing there. Teachers can't be, uh, can't be doing that either. And, um, I don't know. I just feel like it, it is such a big responsibility that we have. And as much as it's becoming kind of dime a dozen and everyone's a yoga teacher now, that's fine. That's great. Why not? I guess. Um, and they are changing the standards now. So they're making sure that, you know, it requires more to be able to teach or to be able to lead a teacher training and all of that stuff. Yeah. I think that's really important. Um, I think they should standardize things a little bit more uh, in terms of not, not to like discredit anyone, but to maybe just, I think to value the people who just, have well a more training be more experienced see different offerings um or, or different combination of trainings or whatever i do think that those people should be valued because it's kind of coming now that like we're coming to a point now where with a lot of practices it's like okay people have had the flexibility to build their practices without having to deal with so many uh constraints and all of that and i think that's one wonderful thing however to honor them as well, because now that it's almost becoming diluted now, well, anybody can become whatever. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, but these people have done a lot of this, 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 and that. They, they, they practice this, 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 and that. They keep studying, they keep practicing, they keep learning, they keep teaching, they keep, you know, and that has to be valued as well. So if there can be a way to balance, um, I guess, standards, but also with uh, understanding what the offering of each individual is, I know it's hard because if we're standardizing things and how can people have their own practice or their own business, but I do believe that to an extent, and they have of course standards and different regulating bodies and things, but I do believe that uh, anything that can help undilute the field would be really important. Um, although not entirely sure how that could happen, but. Well, and that's, um, as you're saying that, do you know what is actually coming through for me is the fact that I think it, it has to start with us. You know, we can't really, first of all, yoga is so much more than a lot of us understand so much more than we know so much more than we see. I mean, the fact that the word itself means to yoke together, to bind together, to bring together everything, mm -hmm. like every aspect of everything that should already tell you there's going to be a, a myriad amounts of nuance and there's going to be so many different points of view and perspectives, you know, like I'm not going to go there right now because it would take us like five hours to go through each point. But just the Seriously. fact that like in Ahimsa, not all of us are going to be physically able to be vegan or vegetarian is a whole point of contention already. But what I'm trying to say is I think if we can acknowledge the fact that, that there is so much more to this and be honest with ourselves about the reasons why we are seeking this study, 
I think that that starts to become its own sort of quote unquote standard, you know, speaking to the point that you were bringing up. I think it begins with us. I think if we are able to be honest, which draws me back to my idea of the idolatry in yoga again, in terms of let's be honest with ourselves and ask the question. If we are going to ask the question of why am I resisting this so much or why am I running away from this situation so much, then we have to be able to also ask why it is that we are being drawn to something and be very honest and very vulnerable and very truthful about what it is. So am I trying to become a yoga teacher because I think it's going to give me fame and I'm going to be that Insta famous person and all of a sudden I'm going to be teaching Oprah? Or am I seeking this to go further into my own understanding? Or am I seeking this to serve other people to the best of my own abilities? Like what is the guiding factor? Because I think when we don't, we fall into this trap of belittling yoga, you know, where to the point where really truly it becomes, I'm, I'm cringing because I don't want to say something judgy, but, but we can't keep watering it down and just adding external elements to it just because we feel like it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, throw this and couple it with yoga and call it blah, blah yoga. And it's going to make a lot of money because it's, you know, the novelty of things. Listen, I just, yeah. And, and, and I get passionate about it because I just, to me, it, I think it feels as though it's coming from a vibration of attention. You know, oh, this is what's going to give me my 10 minutes of fame. Okay, if that's really where it's coming from, you're putting other people's well-beings at stake because, again, when you are in practice, you're so vulnerable. And that's also, though, where we could potentially very dangerously fall into line with someone who's going to be just the right amount of charisma and just the right amount of ideology like Bikram gag oh my god (laughs) that we're going to fall into that line of culture you know I'm just saying be as teachers be conscious of where your heart is and be conscious of the actions that you're taking and why and as students always be aware and question. Just because I'm a teacher doesn't mean that the second I stand up there and start teaching you about something that I'm the ultimate authority on it. Listen, I'm still learning. You know, I'm learning as I do this show. I talk from experience and from what I've seen and from what I've learned, but I'm open to knowing that I can always learn more and I'm not the ultimate authority on anything. So the day that I wake up and I tell you, this is the way that it is and no one else can tell you, you know, else whatever, uh, that's the day that you should question what's going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I think that's, that's where I was taking it. And I don't know what it was about yesterday that made me think about it. I wish I could give you like a, a something, but I just remember being, just feeling, allow, you know, watch, observe, question what it is about this that's growing, especially as yoga teachers, you know, and I'll, I'll make another silly example. But for, for example, when we go into Shavasana, I try to be very gentle when we go into Shavasana, because at that point, people really are completely open, you know. Mm-hmm. And in terms of my music, and this is going to sound silly maybe to some people, but in terms of my music, you know, I usually try not to play a lot of music during class to begin with because I, I also, you know, I 
I started practicing Ashtanga for many years. It's silence. You know, all your music is the breath. Uh-huh. And to me, there's no better yeah. music than the breath. However, that being said, you like start moving to the beat and you're like, oh, I can't focus. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Stop it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. However, that being said, sometimes I do feel like the music can be a little bit of that energy Viagra that you need, you know? Oh my God. Let's be honest. When it's super hot or you're tired, but you need to like pump out those sun cells or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Or you just need, you know, you need to get on the mat. You're having a day, and you just put on some tunes, and you're like, yeah, let's do this. Like, or you just get more into like the sacred flow. You know, like if you want to do like a mm-hmm. dance type yoga practice, that's great. I think that those are the times to do it. But for me, shavasana is like sacred. And if I play something, it's going to be something meaningful. It's either music that has no words, or that if the words are there, they're um, they edify people. Or that if there's someone speaking, you know, like I like to play Alan Watts a lot for my students. Yeah, I know how to teach if you did that, yeah. <laughs> so things like those. However, I do know of people who will and understand that I say this as being a very big Disturbed fan, okay? But who will play Disturbed during Shavasana and the whole time I'm thinking, no. Um, but anyway, so that's where, that's, I think, where my heart was at this week, for whatever reason. I don't know what I was picking up on. Um, it's not as if I've ha- had this conversation with anybody else this week. I just, for some reason yesterday when I was sitting down to, oh, and I think this was why. Okay, okay. So I started thinking about us having a chat about boundaries, which we are about to do. So don't worry, mm-hmm. listeners, we're getting around to it. The rambling will stop. <laughs> <laughs> But I think in the process of that, I was thinking, oh, you know what? We need to like identify our boundaries even and probably even more so, especially as yoga teachers then, because if we haven't figured out what our true intentions are for being in that space that is of service and kind of where that spirit is coming from, then we may not be able to find the boundaries in our teaching and with our students and even with ourselves, because sometimes too, we can become extra depleted, especially those of us who are empathic or HSPs or both, who are giving off so much of our own energy that we end up completely drained. And I, you know what? Actually, I'm kind of like that. Like I'll go to enough classes during the week and teach that by the time I come home, I need to be completely isolated. I can't, like I need time to reground myself and bring all of my energy back to me, call it back to me because it's so draining. Um, we can put so much energy to toward our, our students. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking like, oh my God, can I say it? No, but it's just literally my membership is about that. Like the doors are open this week. Just saying, although this is probably Aww, going to air. Oh like, man, by the time this air, yeah. No, 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 no. That's fine. But literally just even in general, like it doesn't even matter. Like this is what the membership's about. It's for well-being professionals who need to find that balance uh, in their lives and their business because they are in these positions where they're serving a lot and giving and caring for. So like from yoga teachers, yoga therapists, health coaches, um, therapists, psychologists, all of that, you know, and and the whole thing is about boundaries and how boundaries are so important and that kind of thing. Boundaries are not just conflict resolution techniques. Boundaries are really just for everything. Like they, they should be as simple as your routines in the morning or at night, or, uh, they should be just part of your, just part of your everything and so this is often lost on people who serve others in life because they just want to serve and they think that if they say no or if they say oh well, I'm sorry but I need this time or no I can't see you right now I know you're having an emergency but 
I can't necessarily right now that they're just being awful people and that they're not doing their jobs. But you, you, uh, you should not only should like not only are you allowed to, but you should have times where you just do not take calls from clients and you just do not take you do not answer emails from people or you just do not answer texts or calls from people. And uh, and you can state this at the beginning of any type of relationship you begin or any type of professional relationship you embark on, but it should be said, or it should be understood that the, from those times, you know, you're just not available. Or if you give your working hours to someone, like those are to be respected, that's it, period. Um, or unless you want to have a couple emergency times where you say, look, if there's really an emergency that day and that day, or whatever it is that you need. Um, but it's just so important because otherwise, how do we even know, what, how do we even know what we're doing? If we're not even being, if we're not even tending to ourselves, how could we possibly give it to anybody else? And also, if we're giving all these things to others, why would we not give it to ourselves? So it's just this constant cycle that we need to check in on. And then in terms of offerings, I just wanted to say one more thing. And I did an episode on this called Satya. And like I can basically combine Satya, so truthfulness and entrepreneurship and how we're truthful in our offerings and whether or not we're doing something for money or whether we actually want to be helping people because we're mm -hmm. dealing with their vulnerabilities and their weaknesses and their pain points and just what we what we what role we want to play in that and just understanding that responsibility so i just wanted to make a point about that as well that uh, i mean obviously everybody is different and we can't stop people from doing uh, unethical things however it's just important sometimes because we inadvertently don't realize the responsibilities certain work can carry and so we just need to know what we're getting into when we decide that we're going to help somebody with something and then act appropriately you know in that setting and with that decision so that was just to kind of complete the thought of the previous topic but yeah boundaries let's let's dive into that i love it okay perfect yeah sure so uh so where, where did you want to take off from okay so let's talk about boundaries a little bit more because we did the last sure. time you were here but since the last time you were here you and i have also come together to join forces so let's do a little bit of a commercial to begin with <laughs> so, a commercial for all of the listeners so jen and i are collaborating on a beautiful 21 day program in which you are going to be able to really fine tune what we are calling your intuitive boundaries now i know Know that for most of us it's already hard enough to wrap our minds around what the heck a boundary is and how it works and how it operates and then you add the intuitive sense to it and that might sound a little bit like oh this, I don't know if this is up my my alley I don't even understand these words I don't know what it means so number one don't worry that's why we're doing this course because we want to teach you why it matters and why we're even using the word intuitive how it makes a difference and we also created this neat little quiz that basically lets you test out what your boundary setting type is right now and there are five of those the fifth is going to be the intuitive boundary type now the other types are the picture perfect blah, blah 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 the picture perfect boundary setter you know who you are no. <laughs> 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 no and it's totally not a bad thing by the way no not at all not yeah at all. not at all then there's the pleaser boundary setter the spiritual bypasser boundary setter and the heart-based boundary setter as well as like we said the fifth type is going to be the intuitive boundary setter now 
If you want to find out what your type or style of setting boundaries is, then you can check out the links on both of our Instagrams, or you can email me info at nourishingpaths.com and I'll send you the link. And it's really quick, literally not going to take you more than a minute max. And that's like exaggerating to take the quiz and you're going to find out what your type is. The neat thing is once you actually find out which type you are, if you want to go deeper into how that affects your day-to-day life and if you want to know how that really impacts the way in which you are showing up for the people around you, whether it's at work or in personal relationships, then you get to join me and Jen for a free webinar or a free workshop on September 14th, 2020 at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, which is, which is what time your time, Jen? 5 p.m. Central Standard Time would be plus seven hours. So that's going to be midnight. Okay. So you can join us <laughs> at midnight. At midnight, it's going to be for me. Anybody in Europe, uh, you'll, we'll be in it together. So join us. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so we can talk about all of those things. So that was just a brief little commercial lesson. This show has been brought to you by the Intuitive Boundaries 21-Day Program with Jen Angela and Safa Arias. <laughs> Ooh, love it. Yeah. <laughs> But so now going a little deeper into boundary work, like you were talking about for those of us who are in service, you know, whether it's therapists or yoga teachers or even teachers, because teachers actually don't and and they get bypassed a lot. I mean, teachers themselves. Oh, my gosh. I just my heart always goes out to all of my teacher friends because, man, you guys are doing the work. And a lot of times your boundaries are not even being established. So what are some of the key points? Let's only look at like three, Jen, today. Three Mm -hmm. key points that we can use as tools to help us clarify our boundaries, especially as like service providers. Yeah. Um, I think let's break it down into uh, needs, wants, and expectations, maybe. We can do that. Like that that can help you find a balance. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So if we look at, for example, um, when we're setting a boundary, it would be because we need something to be done um, or we want something to be done. So, for example, if we need this particular boundary, for example, like when we need something to be done, we'll say, oh, no, sorry, I can't have that meeting at that time. I have a meeting, another meeting at that time. So that's a need. Right. But then for some when it's like uh, when it comes to something that we told ourselves we were going to do that afternoon and then someone says, oh, can we have a meeting at that time? We're so quick to just be like, yeah, sure. No problem. Because that's just a want. I want that time with myself or I wanted that time with myself. But actually, never mind. It's fine because now this person needs me. So I think maybe understanding that like what needs are and what wants are. So, for example, like the meeting could also be a want. You can decide to change that original meeting if you wanted to. Like nothing is really set in stone if you needed to not have it for whatever reason. So we're always allowed to say that something's not right or we're not feeling well or that we need a day or whatever. Like you can always, always say that. I think that's the first thing to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we can't just give in to wants and then just be like, oh, well, well, whatever. Now I just feel like it because, um, and that's the, I think where expectations come into it. Like, I think these three are always a good balance. Like if you factor in all three and you look at all three perspectives, it'll help you set a pretty decent boundary that you can be okay with. Like if I look at my expectations of what I want my day to be, or what I want my week to be, 
what can I do? What measures can I put in place so that my week happens like that? And then you start with a week or a day, and then you kind of work through your life and you say, okay, what are my expectations in setting these boundaries? Am I expecting these things to be like a rule book for people to follow? Am I expecting this to be requirements of mine that people in my life have to follow or accept? Well, then if that's the case, that might not be reasonable because other people are allowed to set boundaries too. And other people are allowed to reject, like to refuse or accept our boundaries. Um, there has to be negotiation with boundaries. So you need to be, I think, fully aware of your wants, fully aware of your needs and fully aware of your expectations and be honest with yourself. You know, are you having an expectation where you want your partner to act a certain way because that's what you feel you deserve? Okay. You know, you're allowed to honor what you deserve. You're allowed to deserve something and to be treated properly. However, where does, where does your existence sort of uh, end, quote unquote, and when does the other person's existence begin? Mm -hmm. And you are sharing a life, right? There has to be some kind of compromise. So what do you really need and what do you want? And what do they need and what do they want? And what are their expectations? And then you have to find a common ground with that. So I think those factor in a decent amount of, of perspective and of uh, consideration that will allow you to make a, a good boundary for yourself. And again, like if, if it's, you know, it is, again, it, it's not a, a conflict resolution technique necessarily. Like, yes, in conflict, boundaries are important. For example, if you have a troublesome person in your life, in your family, for example, those can be tricky mm -hmm. because perhaps nobody's spoken out against this person yet. Or perhaps it's just awkward now because you have to see them at Thanksgiving. Like nobody likes that feeling. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're allowed to say, okay, so my expectations are that I'm going to make the relationship better by saying this because I need to finally say something to this person. So I'm going to say something to this person or I'm going to set some boundaries. Now, your expectations that it's going to for sure work after might not necessarily come true. So perhaps just take down that expectation a little because as you know, family, especially relationships in the family can be very tricky. So maybe with the expectations, just don't go in guns blazing, like this has to change, blah, blah, blah. Maybe go in with more of a, that my expectation is that I will stop feeling uncomfortable at, father, at family gatherings, for example. And then a way that you set that boundary can either be to vocally say it and say, look, I don't like when you talk to me like this, or it can be to make a separate, a different kind of boundary. Like for example, if you can, you might not want to be seated next to this person at the table. That's fair. Or you might not want to always be there when they're there. That's fair. Um, so that's a, that's a reasonable boundary. You can say, uh, you know, I need, I need the space. Uh, like that's a need. That's a valid need. If somebody has hurt you and you need time, you're allowed to ask for time. Um, if somebody has done irreparable damage or what you feel you could never get over, you're allowed to say that, you know what, I need, like, it's necessary that you no longer be a part of my life. That is also fair. Um, but you have to voice these things to people. We can't expect people to know what we're thinking all the time. So if you do want a chance with your relationship, vocalize what you're feeling and vocalize that maybe something can be done perhaps. And maybe they'll vocalize things too that you never even thought they were feeling. So don't be, don't necessarily think, oh no, this is an awful relationship. Let me cut them out uh, because that's boundary setting. You can also speak to this person because in the best case scenario, and this is usually the goal is that you can actually create more intimacy with the people in your life mm -hmm. by creating healthy boundaries with them. So that's one thing to really keep in mind. It's actually positive work. We're not at all here trying to say, well, these are my boundaries, take it or leave it. That's, that's not the work, mm -hmm. right? So it's uh, not quite so that's cutting. a good overview. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, exactly. 
Yeah, it's not quite so cutting. And I think it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier on the show in terms of that honesty, that satya, that truthfulness, being able to be truthful with yourself first. And you know what? To be honest, that actually is is quite the practice. Like it's a muscle we have to get used to working out because we're used to just bypassing our inner truth and our inner needs and values and and everything. So being truthful with, with who you are, what you need, what it is that you really are going to be nourished from and by and what you're not. And then from there, it's a lot... Not that it's going to be simpler, but it's more accessible. The work of boundary setting to me is also, especially as people who are in service, you know, like yoga teachers or teachers or therapists, it's, uh, you know, coaches, all of us. Then what we do is we hold space. We hold sacred space for the people in our lives, but we are able to do it without putting ourselves last or bypassing our own selves or minimizing what it is that we need or for, you know, just ignoring the true self. And I think that that's where that also becomes important. First, become clear as to why it is that, that you want these things, that you are seeking them, and then work from there. So I think that ties into all of that. And you know, again, not to make this all a one big commercial type show, but if you are intrigued as to what it would be like to have healthier boundaries in your life for yourself, you know, with your family, with your maybe romantic partners, or maybe even just with work or with your own self, because we need to make boundaries with ourselves too, by the way, then, or students or whatever it is, then definitely check out our program. Try starting at this place where you're going to take that quiz. As soon as you take the quiz, you get the invitation for the webinar, the workshop, which is free. And then from there, you get to learn even more, not just about your type, but about so much more really it's just because it it would take us and i think this is where it was born the idea we had come together to record the original episode in which you were in and we discovered that we ran out of time very quickly and we didn't quite get to cover all of the points of boundary setting and or intuition or how those two come together to become intuitive boundaries. So in the feeling of actually doing that, we were like, well, then let's be of service even further to people and put this course together. So that's kind of just to give everybody an idea of, of why and where and how. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I think, and also a really good point about the boundaries with ourselves as well. If anyone's wondering what that means or why that would be the case, just take, for example, the way that you talk to yourself. Maybe you have a nasty dialogue with yourself that brings you down every day, or you have this pattern every day where you start off feeling great in the morning. And then you, you know, you look at your phone and you get onto Instagram and you start to feel really, really crummy after about half an hour, maybe even five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you start this dialogue in your head. You might not even realize the dialogue that you're allowing in your head and the thoughts that you're giving purpose to that you're giving truth to in your head a boundary in that case would just be to say okay is this thought true yes or no what does it mean what is it making me feel what is it doing to me physically mentally emotionally and then who would i be without the existence of this thought who would i be how would i be feeling if i did not give life to this thought and yeah. did not give you know thought to this thought <laughs> you know what would happen and then see how much control you actually have over your state every day 
Yeah. And it takes us so deep into story work, which is something mm-hmm. that I talk about all the time with my clients. Yeah. 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 So it just takes us so much deeper into that plus inner child work and core wounds and just so much. There's so much that correlates. Just like yoga is not just about one thing or another. It's holistic. Mm-hmm. Then the practice of setting boundaries is the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. We, we created a whole program on boundaries alone. Like that goes to, that goes to show. And, and, and even after that, the work is not finished. That's the beauty of it, right? There's just so much to explore after that. So it just goes to show how much there really is in boundary work. Um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. There are people who create their entire businesses around being boundary experts <laughs> and being, you know, and, and I, I think the way that we've married it with, with intuition and with understanding what it would mean for you and really connecting to what boundaries are for you and making it kind of second nature to yourself and in your life, mm-hmm. that's, that's the really important difference with this program. So I think that's what makes it really special. Me too. It's unique and that's where the magic lies. But that's where we're going to leave it for everyone too because we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, if you want to find us, Jen, if you could just give us uh, just your your uh, social media and all of that stuff again, even though it's already been in the show before, but I'm going to add the notes again to this episode. Sure, sure. So you can find me jenangela.com. So that's G-E-N, not J. G-E-N-Angela.com uh, or on Instagram at jen.angela uh, or Connect Home Yoga at Connect Home Yoga. That's my Instagram for the yoga company. And otherwise, uh, my podcast is the Mindful Psychology Podcast. I've changed the name recently. If you've listened to the last episode mm-hmm. of Safa's podcast, it's a different name. This is the same mm-hmm. podcast, just a different name. Um, so the Mindful Psychology Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all of that stuff. Awesome. And as for me, you guys know that if you have questions or if you need anything, especially right now, if you're curious about either the quiz or the course or both, then please email me info at nourishingpaths.com. You can also find me on Instagram at nourishing underscore paths. And if you want to check out the online yoga studio or just the website, uh, then you can drop by nourishingpaths.com. But that is all for today. And I will talk to you all again next week. I have another wonderful guest. You're going to love the episode. I hope you have a beautiful week and talk to you next Monday. 